Welcome to Nailing It Down, a podcast dedicated to reporting and analyzing current events, tapping whatever knowledge and expertise we can find to get as close to the truth as possible. I'm Mark Kelly. Chances are most of you have heard the commercial Sinclair Broadcasting forced TV news anchors at its 193 stations across the country to record and air recently in time allocated for news stories, not commercials. It was the latest instance of the company forcing professional journalists to put their reputations and stamp of approval on must-air content, reflecting the owner's conservative personal and political opinions. In case you missed it, here's how it sounded at my old TV station in Syracuse, New York, WSTM-TV. The language of the editorial reminds us of the way President Trump talks about the news, and he was quick to applaud it. Quote, Sinclair is far superior to CNN and even more fake NBC, which is a total joke, he tweeted. Other reactions were far less complimentary. Former CBS News anchor Dan Rather, still active at the age of 86, said it was not journalism. Most of the Sinclair news anchors forced to read the statement were reluctant to comment on it publicly, but several spoke up in exchange for their names being withheld. An investigative reporter told CNN, It sickens me the way this company is encroaching upon trusted news brands in rural markets. An anchor told CNN, This is so manipulative. Others said having it forced upon them was a, quote, source of dismay in their newsrooms, unquote. 
One anchor told CNN, I felt like a POW recording a message. John Oliver, host of HBO's satirical political show Last Week Tonight, sympathized with Sinclair employees who feel like prisoners. The vice president for news at Sinclair, Scott Livingston, said he was perplexed by such harsh criticism over what he referred to as a promotional announcement. In an official response, Livingston said, Our announcements were responding to the public's distrust in news generally, confirmed just today by a Monmouth University poll. In that survey, pollsters reported that more than three in four Americans believed that traditional major TV and newspaper media outlets reported fake news, including 31% who believe this happens regularly and 46% who say it happens occasionally. Livingston went on to say, The promos spoke to our commitment to avoid such inaccurate reporting. We aren't sure of the motivation for the criticism, he said but find it curious that we would be attacked for asking our news people to remind their audiences that unsubstantiated stories exist on social media, which result in an ill-informed public with potentially dangerous consequences. Livingston said it is ironic that Sinclair would be attacked for messages promoting our journalistic initiative for fair and objective reporting, and for specifically asking the public to hold our newsrooms accountable. Our local stations keep our audiences trust by staying focused on fact-based reporting and clearly identifying commentary. A major problem with Livingston's self-righteous defense of what many critics have called propaganda is that, like the president who has led the charge of fake news against America's mainstream journalists, Sinclair offers little or no factual evidence to support its condemnations. They've been doing it for a long time passing off opinion and lies as competent journalistic content. They did it in 2004, when corporate ordered local stations to air as news, a documentary questioning Democratic presidential candidate John Kerry's military record. Negative reaction to the planned documentary, which the company's own Washington, D.C. news director called Biased Political Propaganda, produced a 17% drop in the value of Sinclair stock. The D.C. news director was fired, of course. The company eventually backed off and denied planning to air the entire documentary during local station news time. Sinclair anchors at three stations recently told the Daily Beast that their regional news directors were reaching out to offer a mild apology. Anchors at two of the stations claimed they chided news directors for forcing them to read the scripts, but all three said the company offered no apology for the content of the promos. Quote, one anchor told the Daily Beast, there's no remorse from the corporate leaders who will continue peddling their politics and quest for profits by any means necessary. One anchor said, unfortunately, nothing is going to rid me of the regret and feeling like I'm a sellout. I wish life had do-overs. 
The chance that Sinclair will have a change of heart is probably more remote than the return of the dodo bird. The absolute rejection of mainstream media and condemnation of the many hard-working journalists who labor there reflects attitudes embraced at the very highest levels of Sinclair Broadcasting. We now know that Sinclair CEO David Smith despises print media even more than he does the broadcast kind. In an interview with New York Magazine, Smith said newspapers and magazines serve no real purpose, have no credibility, and no relevance. He added, I must tell you that in all the 45-plus years I have been in the media business, I have never seen a single article about us that is reflective of reality, especially in today's world, with the shameful political environment and generally complete lack of integrity. Facts and truth have been lost for a long time and likely to never return. I think we need to contrast Smith's assertion that facts and truth have been lost for a long time with the Society of Professional Journalists' Code of Ethics. Above all else, it implores those who gather and report the news to seek truth and report it. Ethical journalism should be accurate and fair. Journalists should be honest and courageous in gathering, reporting, and interpreting information. In their haste to replace responsible journalism with their personal-slash-corporate political views, I doubt Smith and Livingston and their minions ever stopped to ask their employees if they aligned themselves with the thousands of conscientious journalists across the country dedicated to doing just that, seeking truth, reporting truth, striving for accuracy and fairness in an honest, courageous way. Some observers have asked why Sinclair's anchors don't walk away from a company that runs roughshod over their scruples and exposes them to harsh criticism from the communities they serve. It's a question I addressed in Berman's Lament, a novel about the TV news business that I wrote as I was leaving the TV anchor chair to pursue grad studies. The central character, Jed Berman, grows uncomfortable with his news director's orders to pursue a child abuse suspect so vigorously that the public believes he's guilty before his trial even begins. When Berman tells his boss he thinks they crossed the line, he's told that they're going to cross it a lot if it means higher ratings. Is the quote from the book. Berman's emotions churned like the ocean waves during a storm, but he tried not to let any of them show on his face. If this was modern journalism, he wasn't sure he liked it, but he still wasn't ready to quit. For one thing, he didn't know what he could do if he left. And like most people, he couldn't afford to walk away. And no matter the differences between his approach and his bosses, he still believed TV news could make a positive contribution to the community. His chin had sunk down toward his chest as he grappled with the feelings of the moment. At Lenhardt's question, Can I count on you, Jed? He raised his head and looked into his boss's steely, cold eyes and lied. The next time Berman questioned the news director's plan to trump up sensational stories, he was fired. And I suspect that's what would happen to a lot of these Sinclair anchors if they were to tell them what they really think. So far, only one Sinclair producer has quit over the promos, a news producer in Nebraska who wasn't under contract. Anchors who are privately critical of the editorial say they have not quit for three reasons. One, a non-compete clause in their contracts bars them from getting another TV news job for at least six months. A company can force them into arbitration if they attempt to break their contract. And the big drawback to walking out is a liquidated damages clause 
under which the company could force them to pay 40% of their annual compensation just to get away. A Sinclair reporter who left early because he objected to doing man-on-the-street interviews with biased questions is being sued by the company right now. And on a personal note, I asked to break my last anchor contract so I could take a college teaching job. I was also disgusted by the news philosophy being imposed by my last news director. The station let me go, but only after I signed a two-year non-compete clause, barring me from TV news work anywhere in the world for two years. None of that sounds right, does it? It seems like the company shouldn't be able to trample people's values and professional ethics at will. Journalism is a profession, and a damned important one, too, as far as I'm concerned. The same people who framed the First Amendment to the Constitution realized that a vibrant democracy depends on a free press, possibly more than anything else. But Sinclair is banking on another principle, recognized early on in this country and repeated periodically throughout our history. American educator Norman Wolfel mentioned it in a 1941 essay entitled The Fourth and Fifth Estate. He wrote, It is foolish to assume, because in America we do not have an official propaganda agency dictating what shall be broadcast, that American radio is free. Like the press, which is free for those who own and control it, the radio is free for those who can buy equipment, hire technicians and talent, and secure profitable advertising contracts. Add television and the Internet to that paragraph, and you have exposed the whole in the First Amendment and the entire journalistic enterprise in the United States. Yes, the amendment says we can say anything we want. The New York Times uses that freedom to publish all the news that's fit to print. But as A.J. Liebling repeated in a 1960 New Yorker article, freedom of the press is guaranteed only to those who own one. For the preponderance of our journalistic history, someone, some company, some family, some individual, has owned our presses, our broadcast transmitters, our fiber optic cables. And those owners have employed trained professionals with a commitment to telling the truth and informing the public. And we have all benefited from that. There have always been fringe organizations that twisted the facts or outright denied them to advance some cause or other. But not until Rupert Murdoch saddled us with the Fox News Channel did a major news organization, vying for admission to the mainstream, vying to serve the vast body of Americans, thumb its nose at honesty and promise to be the voice of one particular segment of the political spectrum. Sinclair has been operating stations for a long time, and they have been forcing those stations to present must-air propaganda pieces all along the way. The company is seeking to buy 40 more TV stations, that would extend its peculiar take on American life to 72% of the public. And I don't see how we can stop them. Today's FCC is much more inclined to hear the pleas of corporations than individuals, much more concerned with whether CBS allows Janet Jackson's pasty-clad nipple to be exposed for a fraction of a second than if Sinclair or Fox News presents hours' worth of bogus, dishonest reporting content designed to convert Americans to their jaundiced view of the world. If we can't stop them from doing what they do, our best, brightest hope is honest, ethical, accurate, objective journalists who can provide a corrective to the invective Sinclair tries to pass off as reporting. I empathize with the many good folks now employed by Sinclair. 
I wish them well in finding a new job at an ethical news enterprise when their current contract expires. That's it for this go-around. I welcome your feedback at kellymark2 at gmail.com. That's kellymark2 at gmail.com. You can also request a transcript of this episode through that same email address. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again. The theme music you are about to hear rising up under my voice is called Awkward Situation by Vortex. If you like the podcast, please tell your friends. Part of the mission here is to provide a corrective to the misleading and deceitful harangues of right-wing demagogues and talk show hosts who have been punching the daylights out of legitimate, dedicated professional journalists for far too long. Together, we can make a difference. I'm Mark Kelly, and this is Nailing It Down.